80s, but wow. If you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Don't cross the streams. Good day, I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? Read my lips. This segues so nicely into my 80s weekend. Yeah, do you your vocal good? warm-ups. <laughs> How now, of, brown cow? Reminds me of Anchorman. Every time, anytime I hear people doing vocal warm-ups. Aluminum, linoleum, aluminum, <laughs> linoleum. <laughs> well, the human torch was denied a bank loan. It's <laughs> good stuff. Uh, fine. All right, here we go. Uh, let's do it. Uh, welcome, everybody, to episode number four of Random Draw, a 1980s podcast. I am your host, Daniel Mann. With me, as always, Dave Hubbard. That's me. Mark Belial. Yeah, tofu. <laughs> Two days in a row, actually, the, my local grocery store has been out of tofu. It's What is going on? I need you meat eaters to stop eating all the tofu. I don't I, eat any of the tofu. Yeah, I will tell you one person that was upset about it. It was my wife. I guess I have to say two now, Mark. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> Let me I tell you what I could not upset find tofu the other day. Yeah. And I wasn't I was like, upset at all. I don't have to eat tofu now, and I have an excuse for why. <laughs> and this is just like at the beginning of the pandemic where I could not find beans. And I said, all you filthy meat eaters with all your little flesh bits of your in your mouth coming around here and trying to buy up all the beans now that your pork is gone, Look, you no, monsters. I bought bacon. Now I need beans. <laughs> yeah. You think our Ooh. option is either pork or beans? Yeah. Well, I'm My just saying. My option is pork and yeah, beans. Here's I do the deal. Both. Nobody wanted to eat beans till meat was in short supply. I always, I love a legume. I like I, a legume yeah. too, but also step off the legumes during the next lockdown. That's all I'm saying. I'll shank somebody over I'll, some beans. I'll tell you what, Mark. I went. I went a long time just looking for beans. You should get dried beans and you could save them. Oh, I've got dried beans now, baby. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Mark's got his. Well, took some doing, but I, I got my beans. Well, I will never purchase your lima beans, Mark. You can have all Ooh, of the lima beans. Rice lima beans. and beans. I could not find either one of those things. I was like, uh, I just was so mad. I was shouting at buy people them on, on the, the street. Uh, if you are unsure what this podcast is about. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It's not about anything we've talked about so far. It is about the <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> We were all born in the 80s, mm-hmm. yet don't remember much about it because mm-hmm. we were children. Yeah. So Mark and Dave, born in 1986, I was born in 1980. Although I lived through the entire decade, I do not recall almost any of it because I'm now a 40-year-old man. <laughs> yep. As we've, as we've determined, Dan worked in a Reagan coal mine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. During mm-hmm. most of the 80s. I, I was shut in. We didn't have a picture box. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I missed out on a lot. You don't get the whole experience of the 80s when you live in a company town. Yeah. <laughs> So many <laughs> stupid jokes. Uh, so in our show, we have too many topics. So I've lift, listened to our podcast, and when I say we have too many topics, I don't mean we have. There's too many of them. We've got all these I mean, lousy they, topics. We have all these topics. <laughs> what I mean is we have two shorter topics and then a main topic. Mm-hmm. So it's not too many. We don't have too many of them. There is only three. We don't have an excess of them. It's too many. See, it doesn't make any sense. It's all good. We, it's fine. We know what you mean, and that's all that matters. So <laughs> yeah, that's all. That, who cares? So Dave and Mark will be doing the many topics, and I'll be doing the main topic tonight. So we'll start with Dave Hubbard. Tell me about your 1980s topic. Tonight, we're talking about the 1980s amazing debacle new coke new coke new coke so gentlemen to begin this coca-cola discussion okay we need to step a little back in time pre-1980s and that is world war ii Uh oh oh so during world war ii coca-cola managed to amass 60 percent of the market share that's a lot now i need to be specific here because i do not mean 
that Coca-Cola owned the sodas that accounted for 60%. I mean, Coca-Cola itself was 60% of all soda sold. That's crazy. Man, they got that market saturation. Absolutely. They sort of got market saturation for a number of reasons. One of them is because they uh, set up bottling lines right behind the battle lines. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about opportunistic. (laughs) Wow. So they had this actual push during World War II uh, that they said every single man in uniform should be able to get a Coke at any time for five cents. And it doesn't matter that it costs us more than five cents (laughs) to set up a bottling line behind the war lines. That is what we're going to do. And That's so that incredible. way, all of these survivors then uh-huh. come back to America, got a taste for Coke. Yeah. Side note, <laughs> the Coca-Cola plant in Hitler-controlled Germany, fully functional during World War II, Hitler enjoyed Coca-Cola as well. Oh, boo. Wow. Boo, Coke. Oh. Just, I guess, but if you're going to get that 60% market share, I mean, you get you it can, where you can. That's yep. true. Doesn't Listen, matter. <laughs> Coca-Cola, we don't care. We'll sell the Nazis. Look, we'll Co- sell the fascists. We'll sell the, the Japanese. Coca-Cola we'll sell the Canadians. was the swatches of World War II. <laughs> they, they were the Swiss. They're just like, man, I make watches. I don't care if you need to be on time in this battle. And you're a German or a Briton. I don't care. Two good things about Hitler. Sure, he killed all those people. But he liked Coke, and he also <laughs> killed Hitler. So, you know what? Not so Two bad. Two for three. Not so bad. Yikes. So, uh, post-World War II, of course, Coca-Cola is booming. They yeah. are used to just controlling the market. Take that, PepsiCo. Well, take that, PepsiCo. Fast forward now <laughs> to 1983. It is the taste of a new generation. Oh, When it became the taste of a new generation, and Coca-Cola went from 60% post-World War II. Take a guess. 1983, Mm. what Mm. percentage of soda sold were Coca-Cola? Just Coca-Cola, not their brands. Correct. Uh, 15%. I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to say like 34%. Oh, 23%. Yeah, 23%. Quite, I mean, you're talking more than double or less than half of the total. That's a a huge loss. loss of market share. Huge loss. Pepsi, in fact, by 1983 was outselling Coca-Cola in all supermarkets. Oh, wow. That's incredible because Pepsi Pepsi sucks. You know what? Hot take. Hot take. (laughs) I like Pepsi more. Oh, interesting. Hot take. I don't like dark soda. That's true. (laughs) You're a ginger ale boy if ever there Uh, was. We were watching Back to the Future and everything in that movie is Pepsi. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, for a very good reason. Pepsi paid money for that. (laughs) That wasn't free. Now, Coca-Cola still controlled the market when it came to like sports venues or soda fountains. So like you go into McDonald's, you're Mm -hmm. still getting Coca-Cola. And in fact, they had a massive exclusivity contract with a number of restaurant chains so that they really did control the restaurant market. So Pepsi had a real tough time trying to get into most restaurants and sporting venues. But when it came to what consumers, if it was up to consumers and they walked into a grocery store and they could choose to purchase whatever they wanted, Pepsi still was winning. And Boy, did that irk Mm (laughs) Coca-Cola because they were winning when it comes to, hey, man, too bad, Pepsi. We got a contract with McDonald's like the consumer doesn't have an option, but give the consumer an option. Yeah. Pepsi Pepsi wins. wins. Oh, man. So that is what actually spurned Coca-Cola to go on this idea of doing new Coke is that they were losing the battle. And it was only a matter of time before these contracts started to run out. And all of these companies looked around and said, yeah, but like people prefer Pepsi. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Boomers, after a lot of research, they discovered that boomers were all moving toward diet sodas, Mm -hmm. which was killing a lot of 
Coke sales in general. Diet Pepsi was already out. Diet Coke came out. They were picking that up, but they were like, we can't really get much there. But young people, when you do the blind taste test, they all across the board prefer the sweeter flavor of Pepsi. Interesting. And that's why Pepsi was really horning in on the market because your boomers were already transitioning to diets, so they were losing that market anyway. But your young new consumers, sweet, baby. All the way. More of that sugar. More of that that sugar. More of that sugar. Put it in me. I like a spicier beverage. Well, that's Coca-Cola. Yeah. And Red Bull and vodka. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was that cinnamon-flavored alcohol that was all the rage for a while? Fireball. Fireball. That's still all the rage. Is it? Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people love that. Yeah. I'm not a fan, but No, I I don't like cinnamon. Yeah, but I think I prefer like a- It's big red gum dissolved in vodka. (laughs) That's my hot take on that. Yikes. Yeah, I think I prefer like a Dr. Pepper or like I a also, Coke. I also, yeah. like, if I had to drink a soda, it is not going to be a plain Coke and or a plain Pepsi. It will be like a cherry something or a Dr. Pepper mm, or yeah. a root beer if mm. I had my I choice. prefer my beverage to attack me back. <laughs> you want, <laughs> I heard Barks has bite. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, I don't I, yeah. like Barks. I'm what more of a mug guy myself. Mug, what about A&W? Give me mug. I'm fine with it all. Yeah, I mean, that's all good. Yeah, I'm fine with it all. It's all good. I choose ginger ale or Stewart's orange cream soda. Well, now we're talking. Well, back in 1943, (laughs) we had nothing but ginger ale. Yeah, our stomachs were always upset. So 1980, right before, as Coke is on its uh, very large decline, Roberto Crispulo Goizueta Contera. Okay. And I'm oh. sure I nailed that. <laughs> yeah, I wish he had more names. <laughs> <laughs> he became CEO of Coca-Cola. Oh, and Good when he did, he declared very publicly to the entire company, there are no sacred cows. We oh. are here to make money, not soda. Wow. <laughs> Whatever soda makes us wow. money. I'll Mr. run this matters. company into the ground to make money. <laughs> Mr. I'm coming in here and I'm messing things up. Yeah, well, crack some so skulls. part of his push was to start the top secret project, 19, early 80s, like 81, 82. Manhattan Project. The Kansas Project. <laughs> oh. So oh. not as Even far worse. as you thought. <laughs> uh, the Kansas Project took its name from a photo of Kansas journalist William Allen White drinking a Coke. <laughs> Stupid. Interesting. I, the what? image is exclusive. Like, you've seen it, I guarantee, because it's it was used in a ton of Coca-Cola advertisements. Just a guy drinking a Coke? Yeah, it's on a bunch of the execs' walls, seen, apparently, in Coca-Cola. I've seen people drink Coke before. Out of curiosity, I actually looked up this guy, Kansas journalist William Allen White. He ran for governor of Kansas in the 1920s. And he lost, but he didn't care because he only ran for governor so that he could take down the KKK in Kansas. Whoa. And he actually did a real good job of eliminating a massive amount of He's actually a real good guy. I'm suddenly for this guy. He's an awesome guy. I I am pro uh, William Allen White. (laughs) (laughs) I like that that was his whole deal. He's like, I am running on an anti-KKK platform. That's literally (laughs) the platform he ran on. That's really easy to get behind. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You have me, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. You like Coca-Cola? You hate the white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm in that. <laughs> they, the Kansas uh, Project did this massive study where they were trying to figure out how to make Coke appeal to the masses once again. They found out, of course, that sweeter cola overwhelmingly beat both regular Coke and Pepsi in taste tests. The surveys, the focus groups, all of them said the sweeter tasted better. And then they asked people, well, would you buy and drink this product if it were Coca-Cola? 
not a new product. Mm-hmm. If this was Coca-Cola, would you actually buy and drink yeah, it? Well, I'm already buying it now. I don't care what it's called. <laughs> uh, most people were like, yeah, man, like I, for sure, whatever. It tastes better. Like, so if this yeah. is Coke now, then whatever. I think it tastes better. Oh. I would buy it. Uh-oh. Here's the problem. Oh, okay. 10 to 12% of testers felt very angry, quote, unquote. <laughs> so weird to be and, angry And, over. quote, alienated at the thought oh unquote. no wow uh they said they might stop drinking coke altogether if this change was made that's a strong take i've never felt that strong about any beverage in my entire life i don't know that i felt that strong about anything yeah the negative surveys were for some reason given a lot less weight which is crazy and they decided to just move forward with them anyway so it basically was the idea that they were like ah People tend to be more vocal once they have peer pressure because they realize there were more negative surveys if they let the people talk about it than there were if everything was done privately. Okay. So if you let people talk about it, then basically the real hardcore dissenters would rile up some of the people who were just a little wishwashy on it. Negativity catches, man. Exactly. Whereas if you just... As as we've seen. Yeah, as we've seen recently. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just let things lie, let everyone do their own quiet thing, you still had your big negative people, but it wasn't quite as bad. That leads us directly to 1985. Hold on, 85. That's in the 80s, right? (laughs) So far. Whoa. 1880s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1985, Coca-Cola calls this huge press conference. Uh Uh-huh. And this is, of course, after years of marketing where they're saying, like, we're not changing, like, you know, Coca-Cola, the taste of a classic. All about being the thing that never changes, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Pepsi, the voice of a new generation trying to get the young people. So Coca-Cola has this huge press conference. They're sitting there, and it's funny because I actually pulled up videos and watched this press conference, and it's these CEOs drinking Coca-Cola out of wine glasses, like really fancy. Oh, like sommeliers? Yeah, like real Mm, fancy-like. It has notes of rubber. (laughs) (laughs) They end up throwing this big press conference and coming out with new Coke, Mm -hmm. uh, giving it out to everyone, a massive ad push uh, that caused a lot of backlash. For instance, this ad push ran literally days after Bill Cosby was actually the biggest spokesperson for Coca-Cola at the time. Whoops. And this new ad push ran directly after Cosby talking about Coke being the stable product, the product that doesn't change, the timeless product. Bill Cosby decided that it would hurt his image, side note. So he he dropped Coca-Cola as as their spokesman because he didn't want his image to be tarnished. (laughs) Oh, boy. oh man! Oh man! Looking back, you, you know, know the problem with the with the Coca Cola now is it put the right to sleep. <laughs> In a real win for Coca Cola, yeah, Bill Cosby got out of his own contract. Yikes! That's a bit of trivia that oh. it doesn't age particularly yeah, well. No. In the harsh light of twenty twenty, not at all. Do you think like the the CEO of Coke today was like <laughs> probably dodged a bullet on that one? So my yep. favorite part of this press conference is that there was a competing press conference one block away thrown by Pepsi. Oh, oh good one. Really? Solid. solid burn. Because Pepsi took this as a win because Coca-Cola was changing their recipe. Oh, yeah. Pepsi was staying the same. And so they throw this huge, like, free Pepsi giveaway, uh, and a spokesperson said, quote, we are here today to say that victory is sweet. <laughs> I think Coke's announcement today is a concession to us. I think most people know when something is right, you don't change it. Dang. We're not changing it. They are. And then 
They gave every Pepsi employee that Friday off as a victory celebration. <laughs> oh, <man>. Wow. <laughs> That's such a flex, dude. <laughs> so Pepsi, of course, launches this huge ad campaign right after this with these subtle nods to like Pepsi. We're not the ones who changed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that though. Yeah, that's that's crazy. good marketing. <laughs> yeah, just like hmm, I, uh, that's smart. That's why I'm not in uh, marketing because mm-hmm. I wouldn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many reasons. Yeah, that's yeah, not the only. That's reason. like the tip of it. <laughs> tip so, of the cliff. <laughs> tip of the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the end of the episode, and that will make sense. Uh, so there's this huge backlash. Of course, people did not care for New Coke as it was, and really, it was back to the same thing they discovered with the surveys. Where when you have a group of people loudly decrying and getting angry about something, mm-hmm. they will muster up a bunch of other people to join them in that anger. Yeah. It sort of sounds like they discovered the internet in 1985. Very much so. Because <laughs> like, let me tell you, I've seen some internet hate mobs. This was, of course, pre-internet, and so you would Mm -hmm. instead have the hate mobs happen at, like, sports games. When a Coca-Cola ad would come on the Jumbotron and the entire 60,000-person stadium boos. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I wish people felt strongly about important things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the best part was that Fidel Castro, remember... 1985. Wow, so this is yeah, like height of the Cold War. Yeah. Fidel Castro comes out and says he hates New Coke. Oh no. So oh, Fidel, say it ain't so. And it, well, it here's why that actually matters. New Coke reminds me of the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> Failed from the beginning. <laughs> oh, it really was, though. <laughs> so, of course, our CEO, Roberto, yeah. he's Cuban. Oh, no. Oh. His father immigrated from Cuba to get away with Fidel Castro. And the day that Castro came out and said he hated New Coke, he gets a call from his father. Our Roberto, the CEO, gets a call from his dad who's, who says, son, this is the first time in my life I agree with Fidel Castro. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Dang. That's brutal. That's some like. That's a rough thing to hear. Yeah. Yikes. From pops. Yeah, from pops who fled Cuba. <laughs> you know, maybe Fidel's got his stuff together. Maybe we'll go back. Um. So like that, that statement from his dad was like the death knell that he's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oops, I've made a huge man. mistake. Take a guess. Coca-Cola, they of course had new Coke and then original Coke came back and they rebranded as Coca-Cola Classic. Take a guess as to how long new Coke was on the shelves before it was pulled and replaced. I don't believe it was very long. It couldn't have been that long, right? I'm going to get, oh man, how do you even judge something like this? I'll say six months. I think that's a little too long. I'm going to say three months, 90 days. 79 oh, days. Man, nice. Mark takes it. Oh, man. Yeah, and you both were over. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. 79 days later, Coca Cola Classic rebrands, uh, and it was branded as Coca Cola Classic until 1992 when it just started being Coca Cola yeah. again, pretty much. Here's Dude, a side note crazy. of this whole story. So, in between this time frame, there was actually a rather large strike going on oh, okay. of bottling plants Uh-oh. because having to bottle more stuff was very annoying. The, it was also a huge debate as to why some of the syrups cost so much money. And I'm not really going to get into it because that is literally a whole other topic that yeah. I rabbit trailed on for a while. And I was like, this is too much info. What is interesting about this is that Coca-Cola used this time frame, this 79-day switch, 
to make sure that all of its plants went from real cane sugar to corn syrup. And because you got 79 days off of people getting to drink regular Coke, nobody noticed the change. And there's actually a lot of conspiracy (laughs) theories that new Coke was designed just so that they could make that switch. Mind you, all of the uh, managers and people at at Coca-Cola are like, they came out with a statement after this huge conspiracy theory came out and they said, we here at Coca-Cola are neither smart enough nor dumb enough to pull off this conspiracy. (laughs) That's awesome. That's an awesome quote. Yeah, it's very funny. So Cherry Coke, of course, also introduced in 1985. Nobody remembers that that's the same year that that was introduced because New Coke was a much bigger story. That's a yeah. winning beverage, though. Yeah, like, you like guys just Coke. talked about Cherry I Coke. I love a Cherry mm-hmm. Coke. Yeah. That's my preferred way to drink a Coke. With, with <laughs> cherries. Yeah, I like it. Two final little fun facts here. Uh, New Coke actually does still exist, and that is because it was brought back 2019 online orders only for Stranger Things. Oh, uh, They okay. released 500,000 cases, and the... Online orders crashed Coca-Cola's website, (laughs) and so they ended up having to make more because it did much better than they thought. But there is zero talk of ever bringing it fully back. Yeah, because people don't really want it. They like Stranger Things. They want want weaponized nostalgia. (laughs) Exactly. They wanted the nostalgia of it. Final quiz about Coca-Cola for you, gents. There are two countries on the entire planet that you cannot purchase a Coca-Cola. What are they? Hmm. You got one? I got one. Go. Go ahead. North Korea. Correct. Yeah. That <laughs> checks out. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. The other one I think is funny, given the story I've just told you. Oh, Cuba. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't get Coke in Cuba? Yeah. Can't get Coke Cuba. in Cuba, huh? You want to trash North talk Korea. us? No more Coke for That's you. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. It got banned apparently under Fidel Castro because he hated new Coke so much. Oh, never wow. He just they said no more Coke, period. Like, so oh, that's uh, funny. Well, and then obviously we had an embargo with Cuba. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was yeah. that whole thing. I like the idea that there were Whatever people who are like <laughs> trading Cuban cigars for cases of Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a swap. I know. It's a great swap. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's, I like that awesome. new Coke. Have you guys ever been to the Coca-Cola factory in no, Georgia? Not. No, no. It's, but I'd love to. I've. I mean, I give tours at a local brewery mm. that is not so small. That whole thing is fascinating to me, the production yeah. model. So. Oh, it's interesting in the way that weird cultish experiences can be kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Where you go there and everyone's like, Coke is going to change the world. Yeah. No, it's and not. There's a very Coke, inspirational video Coke. at the start of the tour. Oh. and the, But the highlight of the tour is basically that they have a whole room where it's like Coke-affiliated products from around the world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so it's like, Oh, here's a bunch of different like soft drinks from Japan. Yeah. There's one that's like notorious. It's called Beverly. I think it's from Italy. They don't make it anymore, but they make it specifically for the Coke factory. Yeah. It is a grapefruit, just super bitter. I hate that. Soft drink. And I had a taste of it. And you loved it. Now you can't get enough. It was shocking how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so bad. I was grapefruit's like, "Fruits not. I. I don't want anything. I don't want a grapefruit. First off, and I don't want any grapefruit flavored anything. Yeah, yeah. I was so. I was so shocked by how bad it was. I had another taste. Like I went back for seconds just, <laughs> just to, to make sure. Like, it can't possibly be as bad as I thought it was. And, and no, it is. It, it absolutely is. <laughs> Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. been to there, but I've been to the Jelly Belly factory in California. Ooh, that's fun. It's awesome. They have uh, portraits made from jelly beans of like oh, Elvis and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I that's find fun. a lot of these companies fascinating if they're old. Like if you go to Yingling, they have a mm-hmm. ton of art and stuff from like their original marketing and all that. And it turns out 
pretty racist. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that older stuff was yeah, real yeah. racist. I, I liked, uh, I toured a Dr. Pepper factory in um, Texas, um, called, a place called Dublin, Texas. There for a while, they were the only Dr. Pepper place that would do glass bottle Dr. Pepper with cane sugar. And they recently got like forced out of that business by Dr. Pepper corporate. It's a weird licensing thing. They were only allowed to light, like ship Dr. Pepper and like, a 40 mile radius around Dublin, Texas. If we ever, and maybe I will someday, cause it's actually really interesting, but the entire story of all of these bottling factories having fights, some of it was that stuff. Like the whole history of bottling and why it started. A mm-hmm. lot of it was because of contract obligations between fountain soda places. And if you bottle it, it falls under different rules entirely. Nice. So like, it, it's actually a really interesting story hmm. that I'm not going to tell you any of. Good. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> That, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is a tease. <laughs> Mark, what do you have this evening? Ooh, gentlemen, I'm going to stick with corporate America. I'm going to talk about the Pizza Hut Book It program. Oh, it. Yeah. I killed some personal pan pizzas back in the day. So uh, here's, my, here's my question, because I know one of the three of us was homeschooled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you get to participate in the Absolutely. Book It program? Absolutely. Yeah, you got to get, uh, yeah. get in there? Okay. Yeah, because you could do it through your local library. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the Book It program. Now, people may be asking themselves, what is the Book It program? <laughs> For the... Would you like me to do it? Yeah, go ahead, what? Dan. What? Mark, I'm not familiar. What is the Book It program? <laughs> well, Dan, uh, the Book It program I'm was... I'm glad the... you've asked. <laughs> the Book It program was the single best thing to happen to nerdy fat kids like me. Uh, agreed. <laughs> It was a it was an initiative started by Pizza Hut to encourage elementary school aged kids to read more and to get their parents to come into Pizza Hut and spend money. I mean that was a tertiary benefit. I mean yeah. that was yes. for that sure. wasn't their goal, Dave. <laughs> that was for sure the goal, Dave. The one thing you have to know about corporate America: all magnanimous all the time. Well, if there's one thing I know about Pizza Hut, it didn't work out in the long run. <laughs> Why is that? Pizza Hut went out of business. Like here? Yeah. The one Hobo. here. There's still Pizza Hut. Oh yeah, there's still yeah, Pizza yeah. Huts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was all concerned. <laughs> when was, when was the last people. time you had pizza? It was at that Rehoboth one. It was nearly enough for me to be like, I'm never going to a pizza hut. Again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this isn't that great. Yeah, it's like, how do you mess up pizza? Very carefully. They did invent stuffed crust, though. We're all familiar with how the program worked. But for those of our listeners who aren't, it was really simple. All you had to do was read a book, complete a certificate, Usually it's like get gotten from your teacher Mm -hmm. or apparently from your local library. Absolutely. And then you turn in the certificate to get a sticker to fill up your book it button, which you would then once full redeem for a free personal pan pizza from pizza. So I didn't do this. Okay. What? Really? I wasn't involved in it. Okay. I'm so sad for you. I wasn't like, uh, first off, pizza wasn't big where I lived. Yeah. Okay. Listen, the big dominator there was uh, round table pizza. Yeah, it's I've no heard. CC's. I've it's, heard. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> oh, I love some CC's. I'll never pizza. forget. I'll never forget the day CC's raised their price and like it was. Like, we're gonna riot from three ninety nine to four ninety nine. It was yeah. like, well, it's just it's not I'll even worth it anymore. Burn the world down. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what CC's pizza is, it is a buffet only pizza where the quality of the pizza is, I would say. One step below Chuck E. Cheese's. But yeah. that's not even the best part. You could order whatever pizza you want, mm-hmm. and they'll put it out on the buffet. Yeah. Like whatever toppings you want. Yeah. Just say a bunch of stupid stuff, and they'll put it on a pizza. They don't care. Yeah, yeah. and then someone will someone. eventually try it, and then you laugh at them from your table. <laughs> yeah, you fool. I've made that. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yes. so I, I wasn't involved in the book. Man, Maybe my so... parents didn't love me. 
enough. It's probably that because I can think of no other reason. That's probably it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knowing about my past, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we frequented the Book It program for yeah. Pizza Hut. There was a one in Lawton, Oklahoma. Not as cool as Pizza Time. But, Plus, if no. we're being honest, I wasn't going to be doing a lot of reading. Yeah, you're not a reader. <laughs> There's one thing I know about He's you, He's a good Daniel. listener. I'm he a good listener. The, he likes them books. I do listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's not that I'm opposed to reading. No, it is that I'm opposed to reading. <laughs> <But> it, <laughs> that was a quick turnaround. It, but it's like, I just don't. I find myself when I'm reading that I just go, oh, I could be doing so many other things. I yeah. could be driving and listening to this. Yeah, like somebody could be reading this to I me. I get it. It's definitely, And a, then I'll eat pizza. Definitely a younger thing for me. Like, I don't read nearly as much now. I read a lot of news and articles and stuff, but, yeah. like, I don't read, like, I'm not one to just sit down and read a book these days. Amber Dan, got- I'll make a deal with you. Okay. I will read you any book you want if you buy me pizza. <laughs> oh, what a deal. <laughs> uh, Amber just got a Kindle, and she's been flying through some books. Oh, yeah, she's a good reader. So. Yeah, I guess. I don't Good know. reader. She reads while I melt my brain with video games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the start of the program, uh, the story of Book It begins with Pizza Hut itself. See, way back in the day, the company says it began when brothers Frank and Dan Carney borrowed $600 from their mom to start a pizzeria in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, man. 600 bucks to start up Pizza Hut? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great until you adjust it for inflation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's like uh, the other day I read that the CEO of Whole Foods yeah. uh-huh. was bragging about how he started Whole Foods by borrowing $45,000 from family and friends. And he's like, it's really not that much money. And then I adjusted it for inflation, <laughs> and it was almost $200,000. <laughs> wow. That's not that like, much money. Yeah. I, I don't know any family or friends that could give me $200,000 to no. start something. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even ask somebody for like 20 bucks. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so the first Pizza Hut opened in 1958, and their first franchise location opened in Topeka, and two years later in 1960. Kansas chain, huh? Kansas chain. That's mm-hmm. the second Kansas item of the night. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true, because Coke was all Kansas, right? Or was that the Kansas Well, the project? guy, the it was, photographer. Yeah, it was it's called like Project even, Kansas. It's like you didn't even listen. I was yeah. listening to Project Kansas in Manhattan. <laughs> Alan and, White? KKK? <laughs> yeah. I, That's was, all he heard. Yeah, like I was uh, anti-KKK. And he, he rules. Um, I like how Mark's takeaway from my half an hour of talking was, I don't know, Coca-Cola's against the KKK. <laughs> yeah. Coca-Cola <laughs> yeah. hates the KKK and it was created guys, in Kansas. Guys, guys, guys. What? Coca-Cola <laughs> is Antifa. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. In 1977, PepsiCo bought Pizza Hut, adding their chain to their roster of companies. Uh, again, kind of going back yep. to our like big, huge rivalry. Two years later, a man named Bud Gates joined the company and befriended Pizza Hut president Art Gunther. Art what a Gunther. fun name. Yeah. Art, Art Gunther. Gunther. That's Gunther. like a salt of the earth name. Yeah. yeah I'm Art real. Gunther and I uh, make well, pizza. Yeah, I make pizza with my bare hands and I scrape the earth. <laughs> I also, I also drill for oil in my spare time. That's what farmers do, right? They scrape <laughs> they the earth. Scrape the my know. wife is just like our sauce here at Pizza Hut. Robust. <laughs> She's robust. <laughs> robust yet somehow plain. <laughs> Oh, wow. And very sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of sugar in that sauce. Too sweet for sauce. So one night while Gates and Gunther were out for dinner, they discussed Gunther's son, who had always struggled to learn. Yikes. Always struggled to learn. (laughs) Period. Uh, One night while Gates and Gunther were out for dinner, they discussed Gunther's son, who had struggled to learn to read due to eye problems. Uh, He had worked hard, but had always lagged behind in class because of his struggle with reading skills. Yeah. yeah, if you have trouble seeing, yeah, if you can't, it makes sense. You can't see reading. the words. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You so, made it sound like he was dumb. Yeah, you just like, can't see. Well, they didn't know exactly what was going on at first. They just sort of assumed Something's he up was with his peepers. Yeah, it turns out it was his eyes. Imagine when Mark, they really thought it was his 
Imagine if you had to learn something, but you had to take your glasses off to do it. I'll be terrible at it. Today, I was driving to work, and I was adjusting my visor, like, to get it the sun out of my eyes. The one mm-hmm. on your head? Yeah, and then I hit my glasses <laughs> with my visor, and what? they flew off my face. Wait, why are you so close? Uh, How big is your visor? <laughs> it's pretty big. I had it extended, like, to block extended? out the sun. Yeah, you know, they can pull them yeah, forward. Yeah, pull them. Oh, out. They slide yeah. out on a bar. Well, well I didn't, I didn't slide visors. mine back in, so when I, when I, like, turned, when I pulled the visor to go in front of me, I knocked my glasses off my face, and then I went full on like Doug Funny, where my eyes were like tiny, tiny baby eyes. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> what a reference! Yeah, that's uh, for our upcoming '90s podcast. '90s podcast, all Doug Funny, all the time. Yeah. Quail Man. Anyway, oh, super, man. super bad because I was driving around the traffic circle in Georgetown without my glasses. Did you just keep looping around the circle. I was like, I can't see a thing. I had to pull <laughs> like over. Like Lampoon's European Vacation. Yeah, <laughs> around the circle. Super embarrassing. So anyway, while they were having dinner, so they discussed what would happen if they gave kids pizza as a reward for I mean, learning to read better. I would do a lot for pizza. Yeah, Learn to read right. together? That's an easy thing. I already know how to read, so. Yeah. Uh, the two men piloted a, the program that would eventually become Book It in a Kansas City school to see how everything would work out. And it turns out it worked out really well. Yeah, not a lot of strong readers in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> After you bribe them with pizza, there were. <laughs> Uh, As a person from Oklahoma, I concur. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Oh, man. Try to argue it. (laughs) I've seen the statistics. (laughs) So the two men also met with Secretary of Education William Bennett and local librarians to iron out all the details. Told you you could do it with the library. Yep. I'm glad you said that. These librarians came up with the idea to reward either book completions or minutes read. That way, slower readers or readers who were learning English as a second language were not punished. Ah. That's good. That's smart. Always chat with a librarian. They're very knowledgeable, and they think about children all the time. Maybe they used to be for the internet. Ooh, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Most of the schools don't have libraries anymore. I helped run a board game program in a local school. Yeah. In the library. There's not a lot of libraries left. The high schools have them. Yeah, it was high school. Almost no one else does. Huh. I guess I wouldn't have thought about it, but yeah, I guess you need You know what's in the library? Computers. Yeah, they just have a computer lab That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) This computer holds a lot of books. Man, I I love going to the library when I was in school. I bet, nerd. Yeah, I ate a lot of pizza. I also liked going to the library. Nerd? (laughs) I got plenty of those for everybody. (laughs) Nerd? Dan's, Dan's done everything but give us a wedgie. <laughs> As the second this podcast is over, double swirly. Yeah, double I'm going to suge night you over the uh, different podcast. Different podcast. Dang it. We can't go back to back is the problem. <laughs> right? Uh, listen to our board game podcast for a suge night story. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is a weird segue. Yeah, it doesn't make any uh, it sense. It gets there. It's Don't fine. worry. It gets there. So the program was, to quote Borat, great success. <laughs> and, uh, I like that Book It got a Borat quote. Yeah. Like of all the... Th- Throwback. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it was great success. And they said, hey, we're going to roll out this program nationwide in 1985. Yeah, I want to say Indiana was where a decent amount of my Pizza Hut book at pizzas got. Oh, yeah. It was all a lot in Oklahoma for me. I didn't do it. No. I just all around Barely read now. (laughs) Certainly wasn't reading as a kid. I'm not reading as a kid. I was a sports boy as a child. I grew into my nerddom. (laughs) Not me. As I aged. Uh, So a month later, millions of students had participated in the program. Gentlemen, if you had to guess how many millions of students. Oh, man. In the first month. 
How many students got participated nationwide? This was a nationwide this thing. A nationwide I want to say like like five hundred thousand. Yeah, I think Dave's on the right track. I'll say five hundred thousand and one. <laughs> nice prices, so right? Turns out Dan Man is the winner. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> this game is dumb. Seven million kids. Wow, seven million. Whoa, seven million. That's the first way month. more than yeah. I thought. Also, yeah. Dan didn't win. We were way off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he won in the sense that he was I was closer. He was closer <laughs> by one child. <laughs> wow, that is. That is actually awesome. That I is really awesome. I did not think that it would be that many. Yeah, seven million. Seven uh, how much lot. money in free pizza do you think they gave away? Seven well, million. seven million <laughs> times five. Seventy-five cents. Yeah. How much is a? <laughs> how much in nineteen eighty-five was a personal pan pizza? Or is this like what it cost them, or what it would oh, have? Oh, that's like a, what that's I would have purchased. It for. I would have assumed this is like what it would have been worth. I'm gonna just okay. say ten million dollars. I'm gonna say twenty-five million. Twenty-five million dollars. Dave Hubbard, you are the winner this 25 time. Twenty-five million and one. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice try. Uh, Fifty million dollars in free wow. pizza they gave away. Woo. They also spent an additional two. Was it worth 7... it, Pizza Hut? Yeah, was it worth it? Yes, I think, I think it was. I don't know. I've seen people that know how to read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're within the room with two of them right now. They also spent an additional two point seven million dollars on printed materials for the program. That's actually really generous of Pizza yeah. Hut. Yeah, they gave away a ton of a ton of pizza. Fifty million dollars worth. I heard. I mean, I probably personally cost them fifty bucks of that. <laughs> Yeah, right. Due to the program's success, President Ronald Reagan sent a message to the Book It organizers, quote, during this year of the reader. This is my Ronald Reagan. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. No. It sounds like. Uh... Oh, mother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Better. <laughs> uh, during this, quote, quote unquote, year of the reader, we can all reflect that reading is an essential to the vitality of the mind and to the success and accomplishment of almost every endeavor. As the Book It program prepares for yet another tremendous year of bringing the gift of reading to youngsters, I want to commend all those associated with the program for the outstanding work you do. Your efforts give help and inspiration to many and strengthen our nation. And then he stood up and destroyed workers' rights, did away with the Truth and Reporting Act, started trickle-down economics. But he liked well, book actually, it. The, but he liked book it. Actually, the statement ends, I salute you. Yeah. Oh, close. Uh, man, close. I, was, I was a little off. So, so stinking close. Close, but uh, not exact. So uh, Reagan wasn't the only uh, executive who praised Pizza Hut. Gentlemen, one of the character guests? Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro. <laughs> big fan of the big fan. Hates, Hates New, New Coke. Coke. Loves book it. It's because they carry Pepsi. And at pizza. <laughs> That's why. They do, yeah. actually, yeah. Can you give us a hint? Because there's 300 million people. It's a <laughs> Southern politician who would go on to great things. A Southern uh, politician. George H.W. Bush. Nope. JFK. Was it too late for him? <laughs> yep. A little bit too late. <laughs> In the 80s? <laughs> he was dead. Uh, JFK Jr. <laughs> Bill Clinton. Uh, oh, William Clinton. Bill oh. Clinton. From Arkansas. Arkansas. He named October 3rd, 1988, Book It Day. Oh, he did? Yep. He oh, said, good for him. Yep. Pete's had also co-founded National Young Readers Week in 1989. It was a whole week where you could just encourage kids to read and become more literate. And then you give them pizza. Yeah. Are you, you an adult? Pizza. You don't get to read. You don't read. Are you young? Fall in love with a thing you'll never have time for again. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy it now. We'll take all your time later. Man, I bet Pizza Hut wish they had that $50 million now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, for sure. Uh, after all is said and done with, Pizza Hut says 22 million kids a year have received pizza from the program. 22 um, million a year. Yeah, if a you guys kids. had to put like a number on the amount of pizzas 22 million. been given away. At least 22 million. Like up until now? Since, is the book since, it, since the program started. Is the Book It program still going? The Book It program is actually still going. Man. You can do Book It today. You just have mm -hmm. to find a pizza hut. Well, I don't think I could do Book It today. No, you can't. We have Kira, 
Oh, oh, maybe we can do a book. Yeah, we should, we should do the book. Kira, book. Hold Kira. The book. you're read, eight years old. I need you. Read this book and then don't ask me about it. <laughs> right, right. Here's the deal. Kira, I'll read the book for you. Yeah, don't ask me why my breath smells like pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, can I get a certificate for Lady Chatterley's lover? <laughs> Your daughter's trails are real racy stuff. Like, yeah. She reads what she reads. Yeah. Listen, I'm proud of her for the, <laughs> yeah. for the vocabulary, but... <laughs> So much romance novels. <laughs> she likes yeah. what she likes. So if Fabio's not on the cover, she won't read it. She won't read it. She loves that guy. <laughs> How many pizzas do you think World, Pizza Hut's given away uh, since the beginning of the program? Since the beginning of time. I, um, I've got to go with like 400 million. Wow, that's 400 all. million. Mm-hmm. Almost half a billion pizzas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 70 million pizzas. 400 billion and one. <laughs> one. 400 million I'm going to say one. 70 million pizzas. Actual answer? 200 million pizzas. But you went inception. over. Price is right rules. <laughs> Price is right rules are dumb. <laughs> yep. Of course, a program of this magnitude isn't without controversy. Makes Why would a program like a that just encourages sense. kids to read have controversy? Because it's also making kids little chunkers. <laughs> Listen, as a little chunker, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have never been so offended by something I so 100% agree with. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's not like read this book and we'll give you a carrot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't read the book for a carrot. Nor would I. Now, um, if it was like read this book for this dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, oof, I would read some. Books I'd be like, then. give me a book. Yeah, what, what do you want me to read right now? It's the Let's shortest it. book I could find. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys have kind of touched on it a little bit. Pizza Hut's criticized for basically using this as a vehicle to get families into the restaurant. Like, hey, we'll give you a free personal pan pizza. Wait a minute. This company wants to make money? It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So anyway, you bring the whole family in. You get some tidy profits off of like a free personal pan pizza. Yeah, the kid gets like a $4 pizza and you get a $30 bill from the family. (laughs) Yeah. That's Basically, (laughs) that's how it works. Yep. Well, capitalism. They're doing it. (laughs) Yep. Some of the other controversies. uh, Studies have questioned whether the program reinforces long-term reading habits which because i want to read this book because i get a pizza but tomorrow why am i reading this like once the program's over no more pizzas for me yeah yeah i guess i'll listen to my books books. we've just explained dan yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. well i there's no carrot on a stick anymore yes there's no No more pizza on a stick stick. (laughs) what a terrible way to serve pizza (laughs) on a stick All my toppings are falling off. Falling off, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, the program has proved controversial for rewarding kids with junk food. Yeah. Like certain countries have kind of... but I get it. Yeah, certain countries, I think New Zealand is one of them, has sort of like said, hey, can't do Book It here because we don't want our kids to be Well, I think if any country in the world has proven that they have their stuff together, it's New Zealand. It's New Zealand. So we should probably just do what (laughs) they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Step one, have more sheep than people. Yeah, that's a good deal. Step two, hobbits. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Film good movies here. Yeah. Step one, Mordor. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, you don't want Mordor. No, Mordors. That's yeah. northern New Zealand. We don't talk about northern New Zealand. <laughs> Uh, for Art Gunther, there is no mistake how he feels about the program. Quote, the Book It program is the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life, and I'm convinced it is the most important thing I've ever done in my working life. Oh, man, he's into it, huh? Yeah, he loves the Book It program. He said, most important thing in my life, more important than my son, more important than my wife, hmm. book it. Well, I mean, it did impact more people than his son or his wife. Mm-hmm. So it makes Just because something impacts more yeah, people maybe doesn't I mean be- it's better. Maybe I bet if a little <laughs> Gunther Jr. could read I have better. some examples that I won't share. I was going to say, I don't know. I've never met his son or his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
So there you go. That's the Book It program. The Book It program. Oh. That's awesome. I actually wish I had something like that now. I'd read a book for a pizza. Like I said, Daniel, I will read you a book. If That's you give not me a the pizza. same deal that I want. <laughs> I, I I want, want the pizza. Deal. I want the pizza. Well, are you willing to read the book? No. <laughs> well, I mean, is it short? How long is it? <laughs> it's Lady Chatterley's Lover. It's I'm not very kidding. titillating. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, gather around. I can't gather around anymore. The mic <laughs> only goes as this far. gathered as will be. Uh, tonight, for our main topic, I will be talking about Beastie Boys and their 1986 album License to Ill. Press mm. Monkey. Yep. This is that a chunk- funky Speaking monkey. of chunky monkeys, yep. Yep. this album sold very many copies. It <laughs> is, <laughs> it is certified diamond. Ooh. I don't know what that means. I don't know, but it sold 50 million copies. Yeah. Seems like a lot of pizza 50 copies. million copies as of like 2010 or something like that. Because I think platinum is a million. Yeah. Gold is 100,000. Diamond is. Yeah, they s- yeah. more than that. 50 yeah. million? Whoa, 10 million copies. 10 million copies. Let's sold like yeah. 50 million, so that's fine. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Beastie Boys, they uh, started in the early 80s. Not all the members were in there. So the members of the Beastie Boys, as we know them, are Mike Diamond, who is Mike D. Well, mm-hmm. that's actually how they got the diamond sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah they that's recruited how you get diamonds. diamonds. So you yeah. need a diamond in the band. That's uh, why we'll never make it big, guys. That's true. We yeah. have no a diamonds. diamond. Hey, you think we get Dustin Diamond on this podcast? No. No. <laughs> No, How about I don't. Neil Diamond? Like, what's he doing I right now? I think we are, our shots of getting Dustin Diamond are way higher than <laughs> Neil Diamond. Uh, so Mike D, Michael Diamond, Adam Yaw, uh, MCA, and Adam Horowitz, which is Ad-Rock. So the Beastie Boys, they actually started as a band in, like, 1983. Prior to that, two of the members were in a punk rock band. Which is very different style. It's not really. If yeah. you listen to a lot of the Beastie Boys stuff, it's not that different. They actually started a band. They they grew up together in New York City. And they knew each other from, like, music classes mm. and stuff like that. Two of the guys started a, started a uh, punk band. Then they kicked a bunch of people out. And then it was these three. And they became <laughs> <laughs> became the Beastie Boys. You had to whittle it down to the stars. So, yeah. so the Beastie Boys' very first claim to fame was this. I, I had to listen to this because it's so insane. Was they recorded and performed their first hip-hop track, which was called Cookie Puss. And so <laughs> Cookie Puss was just based off of a prank phone call to a Caravel ice cream franchise in 1983. That's so weird. <laughs> so so if you listen if you listen to Cookie Puss, it is literally just the prank phone call with like a hip hop track behind it. It's so crazy. I don't get the appeal of it at all. But this is kind of what got them on the map. Weird thing so, to get on them. So weird. And they just like it was out there. Like people knew about it. It oh, wasn't man. a record. So, and how? Because there it's not like you could Google it. Yeah, it's not the internet or anything. Yeah. So what if Trap Queen but jerky boys? <laughs> <laughs> so on the B side of this Cookie Puss single that was out there was another song by the Beastie Boys. And it wasn't famous. Nobody listened to it. Everybody bought it for Cookie Puss. The big deal about this, though, was a British airline just used it in a commercial. They oh. didn't ask anybody. They just used it. <laughs> did they, they just did it like not pay royalties. They didn't even ask. Oh, they wow. just played it. So the Beastie Boys said, well, that's our song. Yeah. We're going to sue them. You know what? I'm with the Beastie Boys yeah. on that. So, so the Beastie Boys get forty thousand dollars. Okay. It, I mean, in 1983, 1983 that's a lot of money. Forty thousand dollars. That's Cr- get you out of the Reagan coal mine money. They, exactly. <laughs> so they all moved in together. All these gentlemen moved in together and started producing their own music. So they started doing all kinds of crazy music, but they start getting attention of, of certain people that aren't quite in the industry yet, but become huge in the industry. 
So their very first producer was Rick Rubin. Hey, Rick Rubin. A huge producer mm-hmm. nowadays. So he, at the time, he was a student at New York University. And he hears, like, the Beastie Boys. And he's like, well, I've never heard anything like this. Like, I want to produce your stuff. So they're like, whatever. So <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Rubin recalled the first time he met uh, Mike D, he thought he was an arrogant asshole. Though spending time with the Beasties, I grew to see that that was just a sense of humor. It wasn't that they were assholes, and even if they were, they were funny with it. <laughs> so that's like Rick Rubin's first impression with these guys. So Rubin decides that he needs some help, uh, so he reaches out to one of his friends, another NYU student named uh, Russell Simmons. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair like, enough. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, the Russell Simmons. Okay. Yeah, I was curious about that. Russell Simmons had just created his own label as a college student, mm-hmm. and he said, I want to sign you to my new label, put out an album. Uh, the label was Def Jam. So one of like the yeah, they, biggest. They got some influence. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's a little cachet there. <laughs> so the band gets together and they start recording this album. I told you guys beforehand that I watched all these interviews of uh, the Beastie Boys throughout from like the 80s till current times. Any interviewer talking to them cannot get a straight answer out of these guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's so bizarre. Like every interview, with the exception of, of some things that happened in the 2000s that I'll get to, but every interview was like so bizarre. Like they'd go off on tangents and none of it had to do with anything. Much it, like this podcast? So much <laughs> like guys, they would... They would we just pour the Beastie Boys? <laughs> <laughs> they would fit right in. I mean, uh, we so, need to do a crank, crank phone call. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is there's too much technology nowadays. They yeah. trace it back to us. Uh, so the band recorded License to Ill in 1986 and released it November 15th of 1986. So this is their debut album? This is their debut album, License Dang, to Ill. Dang, okay. Uh, eventually sells 50 million copies. A few. Uh, just a few. A couple around the corner. So, so when, a modest success. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> hit, or, hit or miss. It's so, no meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's no bad out of hell. So, um, <laughs> so the album comes out, and it gets reviewed by Rolling Stone magazine. At the time, Rolling Stone doesn't mean anything now, but at the time, mm-hmm. it was, like, mm-hmm. pretty big. And there's, again, no internet. So Rolling Stone comes out, and they give it a very favorable review. It's a lot of things that people have never heard before. Mm. So prior to License to Ill coming out, Def Jam was trying to get the Beastie Boys some notoriety before the album came out. So they went on tour, and they were opening up in um, 1985. They were opening for Madonna. Wow. What a weird open. That's a huge get. So Madonna sees them, and she loves them. She's, like, blown away. The people that are fans of Madonna are not fans of Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. even if Madonna is a fan yeah. of the Beastie yeah. Boys. So it's kind of funny. So <laughs> there's like this interview. She uh, must love white boy rappers. So she's listening to this and she's like blown away. And they got booed off of the stage every night. Wow. But they never left the tour. So they're like booed. They said people were throwing bottles on stage. <laughs> and like <laughs> wow. And like when Madonna would come on, people are booing Madonna and, and chanting, get rid of the Beastie Boys. Wow. Like this is <laughs> this is this is like what they're bringing up. And yet Madonna's just like hey she's man. like she's like no they're really good. And then she tells a story about how she made up made out with Ad Rock in a bathroom <laughs> after one of the things. <laughs> but it's pretty funny. She was the Beastie Boys later on said that they learned how to uh, run a tour by being with Madonna. How like Makes the sense. whole tour set up, say, like how professional she yeah. was, and like how everything worked. They learned it all from her, and they were like, "It was a terrible time. Like everybody hated us." What year <laughs> was this? Nineteen eighty-five. Oh man, so this is probably like this is the uh, like a virgin tour. Yeah, I was this is say, like this she's is... huge at this point. Yeah. 
So so they get off wow. that. They also toured with uh, Run DMC, which oh, was nice. more favorable. I was going to say, I bet that's <laughs> yeah. not good boot yeah. off stage. So they became actually really good friends with Run DMC, and they helped them throughout their career. Run I've heard DMC, that it's classic. tricky to rock a rhyme. Yeah, to rock a rhyme, it's right on time. It's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> Uh, Licensed Ill comes out, and it becomes, as soon as it comes out, it becomes one of the best-selling rap albums of all time. This is, like, right when it comes out. It's the best-selling rap album of all of the 1980s, and the first rap album to go number one on the Billboard 200 chart. So no rap album up to this. Run DMC has been out, mm-hmm. like, all Cool in the Gang, all these guys have been out for years. I mean, yeah. And, like... and Licensed Ill shoots to the top. Oh, man. This is definitely post-Walk This Way, right? Yep. So what's crazy about this Licensed Ill comes out. It goes to number one on the Billboard chart, and it also reaches number two on the R&B album chart, <laughs> what? Which, is what? Little, which is a little confusing to me, but uh, it happens anyway. It just goes to show you that music categories don't make sense. No. Uh, so when it first came out uh, in 1986, it sold nine million copies in its first year. I mean, that's still a ton of sales. It's, it's crazy. The weirdest thing about this is the highest ranking song on the Licensed L album was Fight for Your Right to Party, mm-hmm. but it only reached number seven. Well, you got to fight. Yeah. You got to fight right. for your right to party. Yeah. Uh, to so reach it, number seven. It reached number seven on the U.S. <laughs> Billboard Hot 100. Um, the group had eventually sold over 26 million records in the U.S., and their only single to peak in the U.S. inside of the top 20 was that song. Hmm, so this album was like through the roof. I wonder the why the singles itself like weren't that popular, which was really weird. We figure like hip hop has a different mentality when it comes to records that like at least in that era. Sure. Where it was like, oh, I don't care so much about just copying singles. Like I'd rather get the whole album. Right. And just well, and you also used to buy an album and then sit down and you would listen to the album while like looking at the album art and reading mm-hmm. the lyrics yeah. fold out. And like it was such a different time. Whereas now like singles are are it. Pretty yeah, much. It, I mean, yeah. people put out an album, but it's pretty much so they can get a single. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. So they said any album in the top 10 of all time sales right now will never change because mm. people don't buy albums yeah. anymore. They buy singles yeah. and or buy them at all. They like stream music. So it's like if your album is in the top 10 of all time sales, like it's going to be there forever. Oh, yeah. Unless mm-hmm. something changes. Of course. In 1987, they go on the License to Ill tour, and they tour with Public Enemy. Hey, there we go. (laughs) So Flavor Flav comes out and says, I've never had more fun on a tour than with the Beastie Boys. So the Beastie Boys... And I feel like that man knows how to have fun. That guy knows how to have fun. So the Beastie Boys have this really, like, frat image, right? Mm -hmm. Like, frat boy image. And it's funny because this really comes back to bite them in the long run. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Flavor Flav says they're drinking beer on stage. Like the whole stage is covered in beer. Like you can barely walk without falling. Wow. They're spitting on each other. It's just like this wild <laughs> experience. And he said it's like the the best time he's ever had on tour. Other rappers are really upset. Really? That they're really mad that these white guys come out. Oh, uh, that makes and sense. And they are so popular. And it's not just popular with white crowd, but it's like black guys love them too. Like Beastie Boys were like very popular with everybody. Mm-hmm. It's this weird thing. So rappers like Biz Marquis comes out <laughs> and he's really mad. He, he was like one of the people that like very vocal about how much he hated the Beastie Boys. Wow. And he said because they got there for no reason. Like he didn't think they had talent. He hated them. And eventually they became friends with, with Biz Marquis. But he was very vocal 
about um, how he's like been grinding his whole career to get to where he's at. And the Beastie Boys just come on the scene and like the best selling rap album of all time. Yeah. It could definitely put you off, especially if like yeah. you're like early 80s rap where it's like super underground still. I yeah, get you're it. out handing I out your mixtape outside of clubs. And yeah. Here's mm-hmm. the Beastie Boys with their first album drops. And it's like, oh, 28 million. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Bismarck, he's a funny dude. I was listening to a bunch so of funny. interviews with about him and Prince Paul. And they're, they seem like the funniest dudes in the rap. Right well, the now. way Bismarck talks makes him sound It's funny. so funny. <laughs> so a lot of people were big fans of the Beastie Boys. On the song No Sleep Till Brooklyn, mm-hmm. the guitar riff is by Kerry King of Slayer. Mm-hmm. He does the guitar for it. It's just one of those things where like uh, they're using so many talented people and you just don't know about mm. it. So the Beastie Boys throughout their whole career were all about evolution, right? They wanted to evolve music. They wanted to evolve rap. They wanted to evolve all this thing. After the the huge release, uh, Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin, they want to make License to Ill 2. And the Beastie Boys said, no, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like Because we they wanted to evolve. They said, we want to evolve our music. That's not who yeah. we are. So uh, Russell Simmons says, you can't have your royalties until you make this record. Wow. Was that, but was that in a contract? Or is that just a thing he's saying? This is what Russell Simmons is saying. <laughs> oh, so after, after this big release, all this uh, huge sales... The Beastie Boys are basically broke. They like wow. don't have any money mm-hmm. because Russell Simmons won't give them money. So eventually, seems like a thing you could sue over. Yeah. So eventually, no, it never had to go to the court. They eventually got their royalties and they left Def Jam mm-hmm. and they went on to sign with Capitol Records. Oh, 1989, uh, they made their second album, Paul's Boutique, and it was a disaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> like most sophomore albums. Like no one, it flopped hard. And now, looking back at it, it was one of their better albums. Like, everybody loves it now. But when Mm. it came out, people wanted License to Ill. And it was a completely different sound. Mm. And it's funny. They were talking to um, the Beastie Boys about it. And they said they originally came up with that idea for License to Ill and the frat boy sound and everything to make fun of those people. It's like to make Mm. fun of frat boys and everything. Ah. And then it turns out, when they have these concerts, the, the audience is filled with these frat boys. And it was funny. (laughs) There was this quote that I was watching and one of them said, when you make fun of something a little too much, you start turning into it. And Uh. so they were like making fun of this frat idea so much. And then like, that's what they became. And so they're trying and trying to get out of this and it keeps biting them in the butt. So when Paul's Boutique comes out, it's a good Ralph album, but everybody wants license to ill. Mm -hmm. And that's not like not who they are. Mm -hmm. So they eventually keep grinding and release tons of albums, of course, like 50 million copies of just one album. But they're like make millions and millions and millions and millions. Um, They're not hurting for cash. They're not hurting. Uh, So Paul's Boutique, uh, they got with a pretty famous group called the Dust Brothers, and that's who help them make like electric samples. The whole album sounds so different from Licensed Ill, but again, people wanted Licensed Ill. Eventually, uh, Rolling Stone, this was like in the 2000s, Rolling Stone ranked Paul's Boutique as 156 on the 500 greatest albums of all time. So mm-hmm. it's like this great album, just no one wanted to hear it. Yeah, people weren't interested in it at the time. They don't care about that. Yeah. They want I want frat boys talking about everything. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because they were they were interviewing all these guys and uh this like rap historian said if you want to like get down to like the nuts and bolts of it, 
the Beastie Boys licensed to Ill album was the first gangster rap album because of what they talked about in the album. So it was all about <laughs> like it was all about like inciting violence and like partying really hard and like degrading women. And it was like because it's all stuff that they have since came out and like apologized for. Like that wasn't right. We were trying to joke around. Went too far. Mm-hmm. Our bad. It's really funny because it, it's they were so part of like this frat boy image mm. that they were like trying to incite riots before they even played music. So they were like, <laughs> they got arrested in England because they were like trying to get people to fight. And then they eventually did. And then they got arrested for it. For like inciting violence. Inciting violence. Yeah. So the American like news machine loved the Beastie Boys and the British hated them. Like, they would just straight make up stories about them, like oh, wow. terrible stories. It was crazy. And they didn't know why, but, I mean, you are literally starting, like, riots yeah. in, in yeah, England. You know, it's, yeah, it's a bad look. Uh, what are you, you going to do? The don't care for it. <laughs> yeah, what are you, you going to do? My bad. They keep growing, and they, they change, and, and they become – every album they release, they change a little bit and become something different. Their album, uh, Hello Nasty, which has Intergalactic on it, came, came out in the mm-hmm. late 90s. That song is planetary. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> so that... Well done. The song Intergalactic won uh, for best rap performance by a duo or group. And then Hello Nasty won the best alternative music album. <laughs> so it's like two so very it's different really things. Funny. And they won both of them for the same album. And it's one of those things where I'm watching these interviews. I go, wow, these guys are either super insane or like the smartest guys I've ever seen in my life. Or maybe a bit of both. It has to be a bit of both. They were really funny. Like a lot of the interviews were very, very funny. And some was just like cracking jokes and giving no information to the reporters. And the reporters like visibly upset about it. But like, what are you going to (laughs) do? You can't fix it. If you don't get if you don't get the answer, you don't get the answer. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna choke it out of him? <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me, sir. Please take me seriously. Yeah, I'm a serious <laughs> journalist. Please. <laughs> All of this changes in the early '90s when um, Adam Yuck comes out as a activist and he organizes the Tibetan Freedom Concert. So all his mm. interviews are suddenly like very honest, very somber, talking about the injustices in China against Tibet. That didn't work then, I guess. It, it, I mean, what are you going to do? Destroy China? <laughs> yeah. But, I'm not saying it, it was going to be easy, but... But it was mm. bringing awareness to uh, human rights abuses, mm-hmm. right? It, like everything changed for them at, at this point, and they were just became really political with a lot of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, in um, 2012, Adam Yock died from cancer at the age of 47, oh, which was very was sad. Yeah, he was I, really I, young. I remember that being a huge deal. Huge thing. And so the Beastie Boys are no more. Mm-hmm. They they dissolved, and they said they'll never play another Beastie Boys song because there's no more Beastie Boys. One yeah. of us died. So like people are like clamoring for this, right? They want to play, and they're like, no, it's like it's, it's not, not fair. A thing. It's, it's not, not right. a thing. Yeah. I have one last thing for you here. So they named themselves the Beastie Boys. And then there was like a claim that Beastie was an anagram for something and that it stood for something. Okay. And so the band said it definitely stood for something. And then there was some confusion on whether they came up with this first or Beastie came first. But anyway, Beastie stands for Boys Entering Anarchistic States Towards Internal Excellence. (laughs) 
And when they asked him what it means, they say, don't ask. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the story of the Beastie Boys and the License to Ill. That's interesting. 50 million copies sold. Great, that's, great uh, album, though. That's not, there's no small shakes. Today I was listening to Beastie Boys, and it's crazy how many songs I remember from them, not just from this album, but from a ton of their albums. Mm-hmm. And it's just so good. And I listened to Sabotage again, of course, because it's like, it's one of their best albums. I, yeah, I can't I was get like, enough of Sabotage. I was kind of flipping through, like, just some of the stuff that, as you were mentioning it, and like I saw, I forgot all about B Boy Booyah Bass. Oh, dude, it's so, yeah. there's like nine of them. They released a ton of albums, and they all had crazy names and that's mm-hmm. that's my favorite part if you're not taking yourself too serious i can get behind something like yeah, that. yeah. i've never taken myself serious <laughs> that i hate <laughs> i love sabotage though uh, sabotage is great yep. yeah the their last album in 2011 was called hot sauce committee part two there was no part one <laughs> yeah so it's part two yeah it's uh guar live from mount fuji <laughs> yeah recorded, recorded in pittsburgh, in pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's up there with History of the World Part 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no Part 2. There's no just Part 2. Part one. Just yeah. the Part 1. So that is the Beastie Wars. Very cool. So yeah. Episode number four. In the books. In the books. Count it down. I don't know. <laughs> one, two, three, four. Nailed it. Nailed it. If you have any questions or something you'd like us to cover from the 80s, feel free to email us at randomdrawpodcast at gmail.com. Download us or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and you'll get it just right in your inbox. Sure. Your media yeah. player. Right in your podcatcher <laughs> right of out. choice. Yeah, it'll come out, and you'll be like, oh, hey, those guys did it. They That's did a, another thing. They did, listen. Yeah. They did Ooh, another thing. review us, too. It's yeah. a new show. It is a new show. The more people, and tell your friends yeah. that we're alive in the 80s. Or weren't. <laughs> Who cares? Exactly. Get yourself some Gen X friends and be like, yo, dog, I got this show about your childhood. Yeah, yeah. we That's... make Dan's daughter listen to this. She's eight. She didn't understand <laughs> anything 2012. <laughs> those jokes aren't for her. No. And no. they're borderline no. inappropriate. I would say they're not for many people. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're barely for me, and I say them. And now for something completely different. (laughs) Trying to fit my full-on adult butt and like (laughs) on a tiny little baby toilet, (laughs) tiny little toilet. No, that's not what happened. Yeah, it's that it's shorter. It's not just shorter. Yeah. No. Okay. You thought it was smaller in general. I mean, I don't know. Well, the great thing about a much shorter toilet is it's like having a built-in squatty potty. The problem is you have to get up from that thing. Yeah. (laughs) Then then you get to do a squat when you're done. I need one of those like arm things that are screwed into the wall. (laughs) Handicap bar. All my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It's drastic. It's very true. (laughs) I've had some embarrassing toilet stories. Okay. My most embarrassing one was when I was on a road trip and I had this. (laughs) Never mind. I'm not telling this story. No way. No. No, no, no. no, I'm not telling this story. Tell it like it's just Dave and I here, not (laughs) all of the world. No, no. Let's just say that it involves. Don't worry. I'll edit it out. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say that this story ends with me. Uh, with my legs dangling from a toilet uh, as a broken latch lets everybody into the bathroom. <laughs> that's how the story ends. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what? I don't care about the rest of the story. That's, that the, ending... that's, that's the punchline. Was it that... like at a restaurant or something? It or was a like a rest stop. stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. It was a rest oh, stop. Man. And the that's toilet was too high. And my feet were like just dangling. <laughs> Wait, was this recently? This is last year. No, this is a couple years ago. Were you a child or no? No, no, no. I was a full-grown man. How how high was this Dude, toilet? Dude, it was gigantic. <laughs> it was like a literal throne. Yeah. I needed like a phone book to get up there. <laughs> Mark was playing his own game. He won the throne. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I got to go. I'm going to have to climb up on this. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, hold on. That's I gotta, tricky. I got to get a pulley. <laughs> 
No, it was, uh, uh, it was super embarrassing. Everyone yeah. was just waltzing in because the, the lock was broken. Were you just like making eye contact with everybody? I said, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to let everyone know that you weren't just some sort of weirdo. Yeah, yeah. No, I was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's I'm broken. So, it's not my fault. It's a bro. I don't want you to see this. Yeah, no. Did one kind stranger just stay in the bathroom, turn their back to you, and then hold the door for you? Oh, no, that no, nice. that doesn't happen because people are monsters. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it either. No, I wouldn't have done it either. I, I would have just done out front of the bathroom and laughed every time someone went in it. Yeah. I'm not going to protect you from anything. See, that's, <laughs> that's some like lady stuff. That's the, that's some stuff a woman would do. Oh, for yeah. Men, woman, no, for we sure. stand around and laugh. Yeah. You no, know, like I awkwardly like, oh, yeah, whoa, like I still got to wash my hands, but this guy's just <laughs> staring at me. Sir, I have milkshake on my hands. <laughs> Listen, just don't make it weird. I feel like I don't have weird bathroom habits, but I'm not opposed to using a public restroom. I don't, I don't care. care. I don't care about that. Dan and I will have full conversations at adjoin- adjacent urinals. Yeah, I hate it. I it don't need it in my life. Yeah, yeah that doesn't bother us. That doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Makes Mark real uncomfortable, which yeah. is funny. <laughs> yeah. I went to an IKEA recently, and I it was a two hour drive, and we ate during the drive, so it was time to do business when mm-hmm. I got there. And there was a guy like two stalls over and he was having like a rough go of it because he was making a lot of noise vocally. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, and I'm sitting there like on my phone, like an adult and uh, wide eyed listening to him now, like, oh my gosh, like, do I ask him if he's okay? Mm -hmm. It's loud. Well, I think what it is, is that to some people having a toosie is much like (laughs) playing a game of tennis. We're like, okay, you're better at it when you make the guttural noises. You you have to wait for the contractions before you can push. (laughs) Exactly. But then you have to, somebody get this man a bag of Pitocin. (laughs) This is a super weird conversation. Yeah, for sure. So So anyway. To entirely change the topic. Thank God. uh, I learned about a new Mexican uh, heavy metal band called Bujeria today. What's that mean? Witches. Witchcraft, one of the two. Ah. What do they sing about? Uh, they is sing, it witchcraft? No, they just cover that Frank Sinatra song, Witchcraft. <laughs> a lot of drug trafficking, as it turns out. They're not I, good role models, seems you know? Pretty popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty popular theme in Mexico. If, uh-huh. if you want a much better heavy metal band. Okay. Um, so there's this heavy metal band that I actually really enjoy. They're called The Who. I do not mean what you immediately thought of, like the you W-H-O. The Who? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean The Who, the H-U. The oh, who. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know The Who. They're, they're a Mongolian heavy metal throat singing band. Mm-hmm. They're popular. <laughs> Popular on NPR. Wow. Dude, they're fan- so they're fantastic. Popular so I've NPR. actually listened to a yeah, they did a small desk concert. Uh, yeah, this this guy over here. Man. So NPR. I've actually listened to a ton of their music. I was sitting so around weird. the other day, and I haven't in probably like, you know, eight months to a year. Uh-huh. And then the other day I started playing uh Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. And the opening song, I was like, That's the Who. What? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. And so I looked it up and they did the soundtrack. They did a lot oh, of the that's soundtrack. Pretty cool. How do you like that guy's face in Jedi Fallen Order? Uh it's terrible. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't notice until you pointed out to me I'll Terrible Spaceless, and now I can't it's stop so seeing it. It's so off-putting, and mm-hmm. then I go, who's this based on? And then I looked up the actor, and that's what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, bummer. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, so my favorite thing about it is, so I watched an interview with The Who about them making the soundtrack to this game, and so they made this song, and they wrote it in Mongolian, 
And then the designers are like, that's cool, guys. Like, that's awesome. You've performed a couple times. Like, people dig this song. Here's the problem. It's Mongolian. Yeah. And this is Star Wars. <laughs> so they wrote a Star Wars-sounding language, oh. then translated oh. their Mongolian song into it, and that's the song that's actually in the in the game. And they could have just left it in Mongolian. Like, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, I was going to say, I should have been like, oh, okay, cool. Here's the thing. It was that interview that told me it wasn't in Mongolian. <laughs> <laughs> These snobby Star Wars producers thinking no, all of America speaks Mongolian. Yeah, up until that moment, I thought it was Mongolian. <laughs> yeah, they have a they have a song with uh, the lead singer from Papa Roach. Yeah, they do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they also that's... have a song with Izzy something. Izzo? Let's find out. You're holding a computer. All your hands are touching it. Yeah, I, sure. I like the idea of Mark holding a computer the whole time. Like, he can't put it on the desk. Don't put it on the desk. <laughs> COVID. The Don't who? put it on the desk. <laughs> that's not how COVID works. Uh, Lizzie, <laughs> Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. That was it. I don't know who that is. You've oh, never Hailstorm? heard of Hailstorm? No. They're mm, a very I'm... popular band. Yeah, I they're, think they're so. hot in like the uh, new rock. You know, that's why. Yeah. Hailstorm. They did uh, that one song. Oh, Blizzard. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was for Dairy Queen commercials. <laughs> yeah. Super. Well, you're talking. Tell me more. Super. <laughs> Tell me. Discography. They got a Grammy nod. They uh, won, a Grammy won a Grammy for the nowadays. song Love Bites. And then in parentheses, so do I. <laughs> so stupid. Guys, if anything can win a Grammy, I think it's time for us to put up or shut up. <laughs> I mean, time to true. get us a Grammy. Yeah, we we have the knowledge to talk about the Grammys. <laughs> you want to make if, a Grammys mm, podcast? No, 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 no. We don't have that much knowledge. I'm just saying. I know, <laughs> I'm saying that I know. I know in my knowledge banks that the Grammys exist. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know that I've ever watched the Grammys. I know that I have never watched the Grammys. I see some news about it after it happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, oh, I guess that's a thing. Cool. And I look up some of the stuff and I go, who are all these people? And why Mm. are there so many categories? And you just have to go through. (laughs) Who is Jay Balvin? (laughs) (laughs) The Grammys is nothing more than the G stop on your way to an EGOT. We all know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's apt. That's very funny. That's true. Like you work at the rest and then you. Got to just pull into the G stop station. <laughs> yep. Got to. I got to get that Grammy. Yeah. Here's the deal. I'm. I'm only here because I have to be. I have to. I don't want a Grammy, but I need it. And yeah. otherwise, this necklace makes no sense. <laughs> it just says Eot. <laughs> very confusing. So, yeah. if us as a podcast won a Grammy, would we each get one, or is it like one Grammy for the group of us? I would assume we would all get a statue. Yeah. Right. We, no, yeah. I think it's one, and we just have to pass it around. Oh man, what kind of Bobo Bunk? talk is that it's the grammys it's not the oscars mark (laughs) (laughs) this is one step above the razzies it's not the mtv music awards mark yeah i know that's true this is no people's (laughs) choice awards all right all right fair it's the grammys This isn't the Kids' Choice Awards. Here's the problem. Listen, all I'm saying is if they can give one to Jay Balvin, they can give one to everybody. I don't, you keep I don't know who Jay, Jay Balvin, Balvin is. is. He's a reggaeton guy. Mark, your knowledge of crappy music bunny. is never-ending. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's where I keep all the important stuff is... Uh, not in my brain guys it's full of crap we could make a reggaeton can track we? you just say gasolina a lot no and then... we get sued somebody's already said gasolina. yeah, yeah so say we'll say dieselina pe- no we'll say petro- <laughs> petrol we're gonna do the british version petrol petrolina oh, petrol. so it has to be spanish because that's hip yeah litholine <laughs> it's lithium i get it it's like a prius <laughs> it's a battery dave yeah. the price of petrol by the pence. Because we care about the environment. It's quite high. Oh, that'd be the name of our group, Petrol by, by the, the Pence. pence. <laughs> <laughs>
It's going to be real confusing when we're not British. <laughs> what was that band? Two Pence, None the Richer? Two yeah. Pence, None the Richer. Yeah. What'd they Kiss sing? Kiss me. That's them? That's them. Mm-hmm. Man, somehow I know that band. Maybe it's Six Pence, None the Richer. Could be. I Hold don't on. know. Two Pence, Six Pence sounds better. Cause well, more. Well, they sound more. richer. <laughs> Considerably, sixpence, 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 six on the richer. so much richer that's than three we times as much, three times as many pence. Are they, are they British? I don't know. Hmm, good question. Listen, I saw this story. This may not be true because I saw it online. Oh, then I, then it is true. There was like this whole article, but I can't remember if it's England or Scotland or whatever. But it was just like if you own land, you can buy a title. Oh. And so it's like people just becoming like dukes or whatever because they own like a plot of land. How? Hmm. How little land can I buy in the middle of a field in Scotland? That's I what I know. need to know right now. I don't know what. I feel like there's not a lot of land for sale there because it's like an Makes island sense. and it's not very big. But it's also not a lot of people. Again, I don't know anything about it. So <laughs> huh. I'm making some bold assumptions. Uh, there's got to be like the, the tip of a cliff or something that I can buy three cubic feet of, you <laughs> know, that nobody cliff. wants. <laughs> oh, I'm the Duke of the tip of the cliff. I'm not oh, going to say where yes. I'm the Duke of. I'm, I'm not going to forget the house on tip at tip of the cliff. <laughs> I'm the Earl of the tip of the cliff. Yes, yes. Bow to me. I'll come up with a better name for it. Bow to me, peasant. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to name the house tip of the cliff now. <laughs> I think you've come up with a name. Yeah. It's like tip of the hat. You know, it's very posh. Uh-huh. No, I like tip of the cliff. It's great. Uh, welcome to tip of the cliff. Oh, yes. This is tip of the cliff. Where's your mm-hmm. Where's your house? Oh no, it's it's three cubic feet. It's yeah, just, there's no room for a house. It's right here. I put a chicken coop. Standing on it. I, right. I, but oh, the chicken land. coop technically encroaches on my neighbor's property. Yeah. <laughs> we have a standing deal. That's right. He gets a dozen farm fresh eggs every day, and I get to keep my title. <laughs> every day, I still live in Delaware. Yeah. He also has to go he collect, has to collect them. them. <laughs> well, you know. Also, how many chickens are in this coop? Also, I need you to take care of the chickens. Yeah, also, could you feed the chickens? Sorry. <laughs> I know that you're getting not getting a lot out of this guy. <laughs> well, he's getting dozens of eggs. Every day. <laughs> Every yeah. day. He does have to work for it. Filthy eggs. Filthy eggs. Well, you don't get something for nothing. <laughs> I learned about a new type of egg called a myrrh egg. It's not new in the sense that it's been discovered or whatever, but it's new to me. It's called a myrrh egg. M-U-R-R-E. It's a cliff bird, and they... They like lay these weirdly shaped oblong eggs, right? So these Aren't birds, all eggs oblong. Well, yeah, these ones seems like a normal. These thing. ones are really oblong. There's like no cir- like spherical <laughs> yeah. eggs. Yeah, so I mean, we, unless they're like these, fish eggs or something. So yeah, I so, guess <laughs> I guess you got to say, Mark, fish eggs. So these birds are smaller than chickens, but they lay these like softball sized eggs. Oh no! Oh, painful. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they're can really cool. Them? They're like all turquoise. You can eat them. They uh, eat any egg. Technically, it's true. Yep. Dedicated enough, you can um, eat anything. They were part. They Little were reptile egg. <laughs> they were part of a armed conflict in San Francisco. Wait, who was there was a these egg birds? Over, there was a war over eggs. Uh, the birds. There was the egg. <laughs> the eggers, as they were called, and then there was the lighthouse workers. Wait, <laughs> this is real history. This is actually, real history. Yeah. Wait, who's the eggers? The eggers were the group of people who that came to the, the island because there was an egg shortage in San Francisco. Oh no. Uh, because they just grew so fast that yeah. there was no like. So they need these eggs. Yeah. So these they, lighthouse workers weren't having it. They would import eggs from Chile and oh, places man. like that because there were no <laughs> local birds because they had local chickens. And then when all the guys got there for to mine the gold, not enough for the eggs. gold rush. They ate all the chickens. They didn't. Oh, they ate oh, the chickens. <laughs> yeah. So they ate all the chickens. So they had to like find an alternative. So these eggs are like the size of softballs. So they're kind of perfect for just like man. That's for yeah. one omelet for me. Yeah, yeah so one omelet for you. So they had to go to this island 
because it's the only place where these birds nested. Yeah. And you had to climb the cliffs as all the while like seagulls were attacking you because they love the taste <laughs> of the eggs. And then you'd go to like get egg from the nest and the fan- the bird would attack you. And like people would die because they'd fall from these cliffs because they were being attacked by birds as they were trying to like get the all eggs. All for an egg. All for an egg. I've oh. realized that I'm missing a good business opportunity, and that's that instead of a chicken coop on the top of my cliff, yeah. I'm going to put a repelling line. <laughs> Come, get yourself all eggs. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're cool Who's eggs. Duke of the tip of the cliff now, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever owns the bottom part of that cliff is going to be so mad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. need their permission. I'm top of the cliff. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is. Welcome to tip of the cliff. <laughs> Extreme sports park. Tip of the cliff, you just have a repelling line, and then on top, like a single burner stove <laughs> just <laughs> renting it out cook up your eggs right here i'll be back oh yeah